KTO After the Whistle, The Locker Room, the official off-season podcast of the Capital City Supporters Group. This will be a monthly special discussion about roster moves, incomings, outgoings for ATO and throughout the CPL, as well as rumors, credible or otherwise. We're keeping the takes coming all winter long, so you know they'll be hotter and even less accurate. I am Johnny MacArthur, and I am here again with Joey, you know. Bubs, how are you Hello. I'm good, Johnny. How are you? Oh, it's good to see you, too. great. It's been a whole month. This whole waiting a a month in between shows is... I mean, we didn't really have that much news until the very end, did we? (laughs) We're not worried there. No, and we're like... I don't know about you, but I'm like outside the stadium every day, just kind of like with my fan face pressed against the window, <laughs> hoping to just catch the glimpse of something. Are you going to do anything today? <laughs> it was it's, it's it was it was rough because obviously we got some news at the end, which we'll go over. But for the longest time, I was just sitting there being like, "Are we just going to talk about every other team instead of ours on the next episode?" Because we're going to do it in a month. I'm not going to I'm not going to wait longer than a month to do the second episode, so we're going to be on time anyways. But yeah, thankfully. We got some stuff. The the we started off with bad stuff though. Let's let, let's talk about uh, let's talk about something really rough that happened. The king has left the building. Balu fucking tabla. All of a sudden left to Turkey. Walk us through this one, Joe. So yeah, on you know early or late January, early February, I think January twenty fifth ish. Uh, it was announced that tabla is going to be leaving uh, leaving Canada, leaving Atletico Ottawa for the TFF. First league, which is the second division Turkey with a mm. uh, side called Menisa, mm. uh, which I probably just butchered the uh, pronunciation of. I apologize. Um, <laughs> they're a, uh, they're fighting for survival right now. They're just outside of that relegation mark. Um, but I can see why they would have picked up Tabla from that yeah. because he just took a team that in a league with relegation would have mm. just barely survived relegation. Yeah. He took them and took them from worst to first, and he was a big part of that. So it's it's not a surprise that he was he was sent over, but I I would have loved to be in the room when that deal was made because I I would have loved to see the price tag that went. And I think the hardest part of this league is not being able to know these price tags yeah. because that that's part of the joy, that's part of the statistical fun of this sport is seeing what the value of these players fluctuate based on just a couple months of what they've done. Yeah, numbers thrown around, and it's it's almost never from the club themselves. It's always a journalist that's tapped in, being like, hearing that the transfer fee is this, that, da da da. And all we have for this one is that it's potentially one of the biggest fees this league has ever seen. But that doesn't really say that much because I mean, we've only got a couple examples with numbers. I think they range from around 100k to about 300, 350k or something like that. So if it's around that range. I, I agree with you. I can see why they would want a player like him because, if I'm not mistaken, this is quite a, a young club who are really gunning for promotion into the Turkish Super League, uh, and they want it now. So Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, the club was founded in, in 1994 and then reorganized in 2019 under yeah. a, a new owner group. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right, they are absolutely... They want to come out swinging and they want to build a reputation and I think something that uh, not a lot of people have really talked about or think about is that Turkey is one of those nations that has quite a few Canadian players over there and quite a few mm-hmm. Canadian players doing well so again it's another yeah. one of those those things where they're they're dipping into a pool that they already know has players that uh, affect the quality of their league uh, you can see with uh, Sam Atakubi and Atiba Hutchison they're doing incredibly well, and they have done incredibly well in Turkey. And so I, I, I hope Baloo the, the best of luck. 
and I hope that he hits the ground running. I mean, he he came in as a substitute in the 62nd minute of a, a league draw, essentially immediately. immediately. <laughs> so it's it's lovely to see that you know he's over there, and hopefully they survive relegation this year, and and next year they really start to give a push, and he gets as much love over there as he did over here. Yeah, um, you mentioned the Canadians in Turkey and, you know, Atakubi, uh, Hutchison, Kyle Lahren as well before he moved to uh, Bruges and now at uh, Valladolid. But um, it's kind of a sleeper league, isn't it? I mean, it's it's definitely not one of the top five leagues in Europe, but it's like close. And, you know, they've got some big clubs like Galatasaray are always always somewhere around in the Champions League. Besiktas, like it's right on the cusp. And, you know, fighting for a spot um, to be promoted into that league as like a first team regular for him is almost probably more preferable spot in Europe than, you know, languishing away at Barca B, not being able to crack the first team. You know, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's definitely a, a, an opportunity. He wasn't going to pass up. No, absolutely. And I think you're right with Turkey being a sleeper league. Um, something that I've had a couple, I've had this conversation a couple times and I love having this conversation is I'm probably <clears throat> one of the few people in the minority that are excited for the expansion of, of, tournaments like the world cup mm. um because and i understand all the negatives understand why people don't like it i like the idea that we are going to see more nations actually get to contribute to the world stage of football and now the world cup isn't just going to be europe and south america cup it is genuinely going to be the world cup and i think mm. turkey will be a bigger part of that and i think one of the best things to come out of that is leagues like turkey are going to get more attention you are going to see them turn to a feeder league and then to one of the bigger leagues that that deserves to be there because they truly do right now. Yeah. So good stepping stone for uh, a 23-year-old Blue Tabla for sure. Um, we knew he wasn't going to be here for three years. We were hoping it was at least going to be two. But, uh, you know, from, every, from everything that we've read, this deal happened very quickly. Um, I know there was an interview from a few months ago, or maybe not that long ago, but where he had basically told... Uh, Le Droit, I think it was, that he was planning to stay in Ottawa for at least a second year. Um, but as we know, football moves fast, especially when a club is battling relegation and they're looking for promotion. So, you know, hopefully we got some sweet moolah that if I, if anyone could understand the legalese of the CPL roster rules, we might know if that gives us anything as far as cap relief goes or what the hell. But whatever it is, it, it, uh, it definitely furthers our mandate as a team that can take players that want to take that next step and give them the opportunity to, and not stand in their way. So best of luck. We're going to miss you <laughs> a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. More than, more than we should probably. <laughs> more than we should. Uh, so yeah, speaking of players leaving, um, we already knew that Brian Wright was leaving, but he's popped up at uh, York United. We definitely have a, 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 a big mailbag question about this later, but immediate thoughts about uh, about him at York. Do you think what, what's his what's his role going to be there? I mean, they've got they've got a lot of attacking power there, don't they? I think Brian is going to fill a little bit of a, a mentorship role. Mm. He is considered or to me would be considered a veteran player of the CPL at this point and, mm. and is starting to become a veteran player of North American football. And so he understands it on a technical level on a tactical level, on, on all these aspects, he, what he delivers on the field is mm -hmm. disappointing but consistent. 
he mm. will score goals because yeah. he's at the right place at the right time yeah. because he doesn't go anywhere else. He doesn't yeah. move anywhere. I know a lot of people were, were saying in the in, on Twitter in the immediate aftermath, like, oh, all the Ottawa players saying good luck with him and all this, but like, look at all the goals he scored. Again, because if you're always right there, you, odds are you're going to score. And so I think what they've just picked up is a player who's going to educate on the sidelines. And I truly believe York's going to continue their strategy of sign 40 players, but sell 25 of them. And I think Brian is going to play into that as he's going to be part of the group that mentors the 25 mm. that are going to get sold. Yeah. It's true because he's, what, 27 now? Um, he He's probably at his ceiling. I don't think he's going to be moving up. He hit his ceiling um, at 22, man. Well, that's, I mean, that's just it. And, and it, like, this is his level. And, and you know, that's fine. And he's found a spot that he can continue being at his level. Obviously, it just wasn't with us. And, you know, glad that he found somewhere to land because it's a shame to see players that are, can still have something to offer that are only 27, that, you know, sometimes they just leave the sport. But, uh, enough about outgoings. Incomings. This first incoming... Um, <laughs> I was hoping it wasn't going to be the only one because we already talked about him a whole bunch in the last episode. Carl Lamette, how are you feeling about this one? Um, I'm excited. I mean, uh, he was the first, Carl's the first player that I got to really participate in the rumor mill of and yeah. be like, oh, I'm the voice of authority in this rumor now. Yeah, and yeah. so, so uh, Carl, I don't know if you're listening to these. I hope you are. Thank you for that. That was a lot of fun for me on a personal <laughs> level. <laughs> Um, but from from a, a perspective of a, of a fan of the team, uh, it's great. Drew left a hole on that back line, and he left a hole in terms of experienced leadership candidate players. Carl fills both of those, and he is the exact answer to both questions we had about Drew leaving that we talked about last month, which was how are we going to fix the defense hole? Who's going to become captain? I think Carl's not going to be a captain, but he's going to be a candidate for the armband, and he's going to be in the pecking order for sure. Uh, and I think that he's going to be a starting defender for most of our games in the early to mid-season. I'm excited to see him play. I'm excited to see him interact with us as, as fans. Clearly, he's already bought in wholeheartedly to the atmosphere that we have here in Ottawa. And you love to see it. I'm excited to see him on the field and excited to get to know him, get to know him off the field as well. Yeah, hard, hard agree on all of that. Um, I think he walks into this team. I think he walks into most teams in the league, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, a lot of people might think that's a ridiculous thing to say, but I mean, his pedigree is is is, is just that, ridiculous. I mean, uh, obviously came up through uh, Impact, uh, went to the Deltas, won the league with Tissot. Uh, I believe he was with uh, Red Bulls, won a supporter shield there. Obviously, he was a bit of a, of a supporting cast there. Uh, Indy 11 for four years is basically a club legend there uh, walked into Detroit FC's team who made a playoff spot in their first season ever in the USL uh, I believe beating Columbus crew in the in the US Open Cup along the way um, and he's still only 30 years old and you know he doesn't have the injury history that uh, some other uh, veteran players in the league have um, I see him walking into our team and playing every second available to him un unless he gets injured. You know, he's 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 going to be our rock back there along with this Bayo. Well, it goes back to what we were just talking about with Brian and players hitting their ceiling. I think Carl hit his ceiling at 29, at 28. And so we're getting a player who has, yes, hit their ceiling and we can't develop him any further. But we have a player who is still at their peak and at their peak at 30 as mm. a defender. A solid yeah. defender, a solid Canadian defender. 
And yeah. that is what we need. That is what this team needs. That's what this league needs. That's what the city needs. And that is what this pundit needs. There you go. <laughs> Couldn't have put it better myself. Carl, Matt, uh, do you think he's going to wear the uh, uh, the number two? I, all right, I'm going to throw it this way. I hope Diego takes it. Yeah? And I would love to see it as a, kind of as an unofficial passing the torch of Drew saying, hey, you are the next generation of football. You are the next generation of my position, of my team. He served out there with Drew the entire season. They were a great partnership. Right. And I, I deep down believe that Drew is the kind of person, the kind of player that would say, hey, I want you to have that number. I but like and if it's not Diego, then I hope it's Carl. I want to see the number two continue to be worn out there. I, association football is not a sport that retires jersey numbers very often mm-hmm. uh, for understandable reasons. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of a lot of tradition behind these numbers. And so to mm-hmm. see Carl come in and take number two or see Diego step up and take number two would just be icing on the cake for the very end of Drew's story to move on to the next. That would be perfect for me. Yeah, no, it's hard to hard agree. And as far as, you know, just sort of go off on a little bit of a tangent there, it's, I was thinking about that, I remember last season with, um, when you talk about the numbers, and a lot of our, our classic 1 through 11 numbers were not in our starting 11. I believe Sean Melvin wore number 1. Um, I believe Chris Manella wore number 6. Uh, I believe Kevin Alleman wore number 7. I believe Ben McHenry wore number 8. Uh, <laughs> these were not uh, numbers that you saw on the pitch very often. Um, and I mean, you know, the, uh, th- th- three of those people are gone. So as far as roster turnover goes, it, I'm kind of excited to see the caliber of player that we're going to be bringing in to, you know, fill these shirts of these, these classic, uh, numbers one through 11. I think with, with North American sports, uh, and with soccer now being played in North America, I don't think we're going to see traditional Jersey numbers. I think yeah. part of North American sports with a couple exceptions, like uh, the other football, um, numbers aren't necessarily, like, specifically determined by position. And so it's, you know, I like to wear number 14 because mm-hmm. it's my birthday, April yeah. 14th. So I wear yeah. number 14, and it's it's outside of the standard 11, and I played mm-hmm. as a, a right back for most of my playing days. <laughs> so right back wearing number 14 is blasphemous for most people. Yeah. But to me, I just like the number 14. It was yeah. just asymmetrical enough. That I liked it. <laughs> Divide in half into a prime number. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a funny thing, actually, too. A lot of people were like, why the fuck is Carl Howarth wearing 45? That's weird. That's because that dude wore nine, like, his whole career. And then if you can't get the nine, then you might might as well get the four plus five. <laughs> hey, it works. It, and and <laughs> as long as he's not out there wearing 99 again, because I don't want to see an Ottawa player in 99. <laughs> Let's retire that number for the opposite reason of why you retire numbers, please. <laughs> Honestly, that number should be retired across all sports. I don't want anybody wearing 99. It just looks wrong. Well, it just, it just I think wrong. it, especially to Canadians, has that yeah. subconscious, that subconscious yeah. understanding of, like, if you're wearing 99, you're going to be good because you're yeah. wearing number 99. It's nothing to do with anything else other than, you know, the great one wore 99. So if you're wearing number 99 in any sport, you yeah. better be damn good. No more 99s. Anyways, enough about numbers. We <laughs> Our second signing incoming of this if you don't count Espeo coming back again uh from york united noah verhoeven verhoeven and verhoeven how are you feeling about this one joe i know we, we've had we've had about, uh, about almost a week now to mull this one over i know there's a lot of 
you know, a lot of people didn't know what to think about this right off the bat, but where are you landing at with it now? There was certainly a lot of fence sitting, and, and I will say, like, as with most signings, uh, with, with very few exceptions, Carl Carl's a good example of one of these exceptions, I don't get excited the day of. I wait yeah. until the next day, and then I decide if I'm excited or not. Yeah. I... I initially had said I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm going to mm-hmm. go ahead and, and upgrade that to just I'm optimistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that Noah is going to bring a different style of play than what we're necessarily used to from his position. Yeah. But I think he's going to bring a style of play that matches more with what Cargo does and what mm-hmm. Cargo did last season. Uh, I think he's a, a lot better of a, a deep-lying playmaker, which is a, a much rarer position and role that to see nowadays and i think to have the ability to to move the ball from the defense out and around a little bit better than sissoko could have who is Mm -hmm. definitely more of a get the ball and give to someone else to distribute yeah no is able to get the ball and distribute all in one kind of fluid thing Mm -hmm. and on top of that i i absolutely love that as soon as he was announced within minutes of him being announced he was on his social medias interacting with us yeah. He understands what Atletico Ottawa is mm-hmm. and what CCSG, Bytown Boys, and all the supporters mean to the club. He mm-hmm. knew the importance of immediately jumping out there and saying, hey, I'm here, look who I am. He played on our, our rivals team for the last season, mm-hmm. and now he's here, and... He's just immediately, to me, ticking all the right boxes of what we need, what we're looking for, and he fits the personality of the club. I think well, it's how, a good signing. Well, how can you not, um, you know, be excited when you're now playing for the fans that, you know, took over your home stadium last season whilst also demolishing you 3-0? Like, uh, he must have watched that, and then, you know, when the call came in to go to Ottawa, he must have been like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Well, I think it goes even a little bit past just that, and I don't think it's just York and York players that feel that. I, I mean, I I won't say the name of the player, but I talked to a player who said, you know, if I wasn't playing at the club I was playing at, I would want to play at Ottawa, and he mm-hmm. wasn't saying it because I'm an Ottawa fan and we were in Ottawa having this conversation. He said it mm-hmm. because he enjoyed the fans and the, the atmosphere that we brought to the games, and... Yeah. And that's something that I think is just as valuable when you're making that decision on which club am I going to go to. Because if I had to choose between the club that has a supporters group that goes way above and beyond what anyone has ever asked them to do versus a club that has nine supporters groups with four people each in them and only one of them goes to a game at a time, yeah, I would definitely go with the louder side, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean... We love to pat ourselves on the back here. What's uh, what's a couple more pats? Speaking of his actual, uh, what he can bring to this team, um, I have to admit I'm a bit easily swayed. Like when you when you talk about when signings first happen and you're not immediately you wait a day to get excited, I easily get caught up in hype, and also in the opposite of hype. So you know when when the signing was made, obviously York fans are doing the same thing that we did when they got Brian Wright. Is that they're you know playing down how good he is. And actually being like, oh, you know, he's not actually that good. Good luck with that, that type of thing, blah, blah, blah. Um, it's easy to fall into that and not look at the actual hard data and sort of look at the context and the facts. And um, uh, we have a guy in Discord, Alex. He does really, really good um, 
uh, sort of stats graphs showing uh, different areas of play and what he showed was that what he what Noah Verhoeven lacks in you know defensive capabilities um he more than makes up for in you know just accurate passes like the man can ping balls like it's nobody's business and he can also retain the ball like crazy so even though he's not the one putting in those destroying crunching tackles to stop an attack um with someone like that next to him laying the ball off to him He's the one that can start an attack. And um, you're absolutely right. That's a thing we were kind of missing last season. When we, even when we were playing the counterattack, we'd have to sort of go, go, uh, go three passes up the pitch. You know, go through Ali Bassett, go through Baloo Tablet to make our way up the pitch that way, or go through Maxime Tiso, and, you know, it would end up not at any of our players' feet because that's the way that we had to go on the break. Whereas now if we have someone that's in that sixth position that can actually just ping a long ball up to a winger that's already making a run... You know that's that's a different ballgame, and uh, as far as the the confidence I have in our recruiting, we are at least two three years removed from an era where we were just picking up other teams' scraps to fill out a squad. Our yeah. first season was like that. Our second season was kind of like that. Our third season was not at all like that. As far as players we picked up from other clubs last offseason, they were more hits than misses. We are no longer in an era where we need to fill shirts. So, obviously, our analytics team saw something in the way that Noah Verhoeven plays that they said, he is the one that we want to pick out. He doesn't give us under 21 minutes. That's not a reason we would have got him. He brings something to the table that Cargo wants for his new system. And we know there's going to be a new system because he said as much. We don't know what it's going to be. But for these reasons, I am as optimistic as you are. Clearly, he's going to bring something to our roster. I think when we look at, at Cargo saying, I have a new system and I'm not going to say what the system is, I don't think we're going to see as big of a departure from his, his system of last year. I, I think yep. we're going to see a, a little bit more modular ability with, uh, with players dropping back and creating a stronger backline since we don't have some of those pieces that made that backline as sturdy as it was beforehand. But I think we're going to see a, a little bit higher of a, of a block it definitely will not be as low as a block as it used to be. Mm-hmm. But I think that counterattacking and long ball counterattacking is definitely going to be the primary focus. And I think Noah being the first real signing outside of Carl shows that. I think Carl himself also plays into that. He is a sturdy defender who will get the ball. And I think when you're talking about a defender who will get the ball and pass it off to Noah, you have Carl, you have Diego, who are both players who are taller, who are going to be good in the air, who are going to be good on the ground, who can get the ball and immediately distribute it to the number six. And you're absolutely right. I think the analytical team looked at the exact same thing that Alex looked at and the same thing that I looked at like <laughs> for more than half the games that I wrote for you guys last season. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest, the first thing on the sheet was, here's how bad our passing was today, guys, <laughs> to the point where I was writing jokes instead of passing lines towards yeah. the end of it. Yeah, And... I think Noah is going to be a big part of fixing that. He is going to, and he's going to change by himself our passing accuracy by at least two percent. It's yeah. going to go up just him. He's going to change the team's overall passing accuracy by at least two percent, which is huge for an individual to do. Yeah, I can see it. I mean, I, I remember that like week in and week out, we were basically joking about how bad our uh, our pass accuracy was. And I mean, an- another thing to think about this as well is that. <clears throat> It is possible that he's only brought in to, you know, sort of play a small part 
in our overall system because I mean look at we still only have what 13 players signed right now 14 players signed there's still almost 10 to go so like there's no ass- assuming that you know this guy is the centerpiece of of 2023 Atletico Ottawa right I mean he could just be a bit part he could be a bigger part but uh is there still a lot left to be revealed yeah absolutely and I do want to say he has he has quite a bit of a, a an international youth career which I think people don't give youth careers as much uh as much vision as they should and as much importance as they should but he he he's done well at U twenty U twenty three. I believe he was team captain for the U twenties for at least a tournament. So he again could be someone that they looked at for. He will just fit into the locker room, and I think for someone like Carlos, the locker room and its atmosphere is hugely important. Mm-hmm. And I think having players who fit into the locker room are just a big thing for him. Yeah, and I mean when you look at you know he's already played with Zach Verhoeven. Uh, he's already played with Nathan Ingham. I mean, you know, he's he's familiar with multiple players on our squad just because he's been around the league. It's it's funny. I saw an interview he, he had did with uh, with uh, Nico Giantsopoulos on uh, that Footy First podcast, and he was talking about how he's almost like a veteran presence in this league. I'm like, bro, you're like 23 years old. Don't talk like that. <laughs> but you forget that you know he made his pro debut with Pacific at like what 18 years old, 19 years old. Yeah, craziness, craziness. So yeah, anyways. You've heard enough from us. We're bringing this back. Now it's time to hear from you. CCSG Mailbag. We're back with the mailbag. This is, this, I'm going to try and copy Patty's intro. It's not going to be as good, but I'm going to do my best. This is a segment where we ask you, CCSG members, to have your say in the podcast. I'm going to do better than that next time. Whether it's a question, <laughs> comment, or a hot take, or whatever it is, they're all anonymous, so you can say whatever you want. And just one of the many perks of being a member of the Capital City Supporters Group. Joey, I'm going to fire this first one at you. All right. I'm told that this came in differently than I'm going to say it, but it was edited <laughs> down for content and, you know, general appropriateness. Why the hell are we playing at York Line Stadium for our CanChamp Cup match? We haven't we haven't gone over this yet. Uh, Joey did a really good watch along on uh, Twitter Spaces about the Can Champ. And uh, anyways, you you go you go over this. Why are we doing that? I don't have an answer anymore. <laughs> I had an answer. I had an answer during the actual like during the show, during the mm. lead up to the show, and even in the immediate aftermath of the show. I had a fairly reasonable answer. In we're, we're at a neutral venue mm. because they're they are, they have to use this as an opportunity to showcase a city that wants to have a CPL team or they want to have a CPL team. This has to be a pilot program of some kind or it's a complete waste. And then today, (laughs) we get your client stadium, a stadium that constantly struggles to draw fans because of its (laughs) terrible location in proximity to the city and suburbs. It is one way in one way out. When the world ends, I'm going to move to York Lions Stadium because I know I'm going to live forever. But to to host a cup venue for for Ottawa... It, well, and, this is, it's hard enough Halifax, for their local team. It's, it's, it's alone, out of there. Yeah. No, and it's it's completely out of the way for Halifax and Ottawa. Yeah. They, if they wanted to do it this way, they should have really thought about this is the location we're going to go at. I, I can't think of a reason... Outside of Oseg really screwed up, or somebody along the lines really screwed up and didn't book ahead, nobody conversed with anybody, nobody talked to anybody. 
I, I don't know what happened. I don't have an answer for you, Johnny, aside yeah. from this is just a complete mess up. And it brings up so many more questions. The people who do go, where's the profits going to go? Because obviously York Lion Stadium needs to have some of that. How much of yeah. that goes to the clubs? How much of that went to the clubs in the first place? Is the league going to help with the transportation costs? How are they going to get fans there? Whose fans are going to get there? How are the SGs going to get there? All the, No one thought of any of these questions. They just showed up and said, all right, let's pick a stadium. And, you know, Queen Victoria style threw a dart at a map and it landed close to the York Line Stadium. Thank God they didn't go and change the name of that, though. I don't know, Johnny. This is just it's just a bad situation that was not thought out at all and has now put what is supposed to be the first year of a reborn cup already into a sour taste for two large, passionate, active fan bases. And I don't think they could have picked two worse teams to pull this stunt on. So the, the, the tough thing is I think there's a lot of other people that we can blame other than the actual teams themselves. You know, I think. That, no, I'm uh, not blaming. I, I want to be very oh, clear. No, I'm not sure. blaming yeah, the team at absolutely. all. Absolutely. For, for what I, from my, from my vantage point, I think Derek Martin and Fernando Lopez did the best they could to make of a bad situation, which was that why, first of all, why did we pull out of hosting these games at the last second? Uh, second of all, why did they draw two teams that can't host together? And just say, well, fuck it, we'll figure it out down the line. Why are so many teams not able to host? I mean, you're right, it's just a bad situation. As, as far as I can tell, it makes the location itself, if we're not able to host, makes sense insofar as this game will be on the 18th of April. Halifax will be playing us at home on the 15th of April, and they will be playing Forge Away on the 22nd of April. So for them to just stay in Ontario for that whole week rather than, you know, go back home in the middle of it makes sense to them. So this is the rationale I can think of of why we would have picked this neutral venue. It would have been great if we could just had it at our venue. But uh, <laughs> for well, reasons unknown. Well, even if unknown, we could have had it out in Halifax. Like, to me, if we couldn't have it here and they mm -hmm. couldn't have it there, and again... I think you're right, and I think that Fernando Lopez, and uh, I believe you said Derek Martin, mm. if, if that's Fernando's counterpart at Halifax, I, I sincerely believe, and I've, I've met Fernando and talked to Fernando, he would have he gone down fighting trying yeah. to get this at a... If he couldn't have it in Ottawa, it would have been a different venue. Mm. And I, 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 I truly hope the same for, for Mr. Martin as well. And I, I do think that the that blame for this does fall on numerous people. And I think that Fernando, it would be unfair to say is blameless, but he shouldn't have a lot of it. And I think the biggest issue here, at least from what I can interpret from my very, very outsider position, is there was a complete and utter communication breakdown oh, between the league and the venues on scheduling on <clears throat> on when we are going to do this when we are going to do that yeah. and in a league as non-transparent as this you have to assume that profits were part of the conversation where they're oh, going to go how is the funding going to work and i think that again it just brings up the again the point that a conversation needs to be held between everyone of importance not just soccer business people and canadian soccer business people it needs to be Everyone needs to have a voice in some way, or this league will go the way of the Canadian Soccer League. It's I I, I you know I can I can imagine a very likely scenario where um, 
Oseg in the last moment was told, oh yeah, by the way, the can champ is starting super early this year in like April, and they're like, well, you're not having it here. <laughs> I, I can't imagine a scenario where that's super unlikely, you know, like, and, and you know, especially with, with Canada soccer, absolutely kowtowing to the MLS clubs by starting this tournament so early so that they can take part in the League's Cup, which I, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie to you, I don't think any of us give a shit about that. Um, but you know, because of that, now we have to we have to start our cup competition the same week. By the way, we actually start the league. None of this makes any sense, and we're the ones that suffer for it. Uh, the, the our our team suffer for it, and our fans are suffering for it now because we have to play a cup game against Halifax in in York. I think as long as the MLS and the CPL are going to exist side by side, and there are going to be a contingent of Canadian clubs participating in MLS. Canadian Soccer Association and Canadian Soccer Business needs to accept the fact that while right now the CPL are smaller, it won't always be that way. And mm. eventually these three major league soccer teams will not be enough to support everything they want to do, and they yeah. will need to rely on these. I I didn't really get a chance to talk about it during the, the, the show, the watch-along. I actually had a whole segment that I cut because I wanted to talk about it the future of, of the Canadian championship. Mm. And I'll ask you, Johnny, if you could expand, because clearly that's the idea. They want to expand the Canadian championship. Yeah. If you could include any team that exists in Canada right now, who would you invite? Well, all of them. That's the point. I that's mean, the like, point of a national <laughs> cup. Look at the teams that participate in the FA cup. Look at how many teams participate in the FA and, cup. And you know what, though? Tiers. We don't even have to go all the way over to Europe to do that. Look at the U.S. Open Cup. The U.S. Open Cup is over 100 years old. They've been doing this for as long as they've been doing the FA Cup. They also invite every single team in the gosh darn country. And if you're a, if you're a fully amateur team, you can take part in the U.S. Open Cup as well. Why aren't we doing that? Why are, why are, why are we playing second fiddle to the three teams that play in an American League? We can't be doing this every year. No, we can't. It's, it's not fair, and I think... The reason there hasn't been as much change in Canada soccer is because there hasn't been enough care. There hasn't been enough passion. There hasn't been enough noise made by the people who watch it. We all have all just accepted that Canada soccer is Canada soccer, but we're hosting a World Cup. We just participated in a World Cup. We have our own domestic league. We have a domestic cup that's on the way to expand it. We're participating in CONCACAF, which... As a, a as a division of soccer is expanding not both on the national and international scales, we need to realize that we cannot just curtail to the American demographic anymore. Yeah. We as the fans need to be the ones to start demanding change and be as loud. If this kind of nonsense was happening in the hockey world, no one would be quiet about it. And yeah. we are all just quietly accepting it and arguing amongst our, ourselves and debating amongst ourselves. We need to turn that attention outwards and we need to stop texting each other in our group chats uh, annoyed that this is happening. And we need to start directing that to and say, guys, look, this is our sport too. start taking it as seriously as we do. And hopefully they will. Yeah, this was this was supposed to be a watershed moment in our in our uh, national cup tournament because it was the first one that we you know had two semi pro teams in it. We had the, uh, the TSS Rovers joining as well as uh, from League One BC, and instead has turned into probably the worst edition of it yet already, and it hasn't even kicked a ball. So, as Patty loves to say, fucking figure it out. <laughs> My biggest thing is someone is going to get hurt in this tournament completely unnecessarily yeah. and 
immediately all sports media is going to say this was avoidable. Yeah. This yeah. was completely avoidable. And Hungry. I hate, hate seeing players injured. I hate seeing players' careers trajectory change or end because of injuries, especially avoidable injuries. Yeah. And this tournament screams avoidable injuries. It certainly does. It certainly does. Hard to agree. Well, we'll see how it turns out. I'm not super hopeful. Um, you know, we we got to play boring Halifax again three days after our opener, which is against them again. God, I'm sick of playing this team. Anyways, all right. You know, I'm going to throw the next question at you too because I think you're locked and loaded for this one. With the new players that we've signed so far, how different do you think our style of play will be this season? Or is it too soon to tell you? We touched on this a little bit earlier, but what do you think? I think it, it's too soon to tell. I know I went off a little bit earlier about mm. what I think is going to happen. Mm. I That is based solely off of Cargo and his technical staff. It had yep. nothing to do with our playing staff, and I think yep. right now it's too soon to tell. Mm-hmm. Because as a coach, when you have a playing style, every coach has their own style and their own, like, this is my formation, this is my style, this is how football yeah. should be played. And I'm guilty yeah. of that too. And mm-hmm. when I transitioned from football to futsal, that didn't, it didn't, transition with me that style doesn't work so i had yeah. to completely relearn and that was based solely on my players and nothing to do with me as a coach and what i wanted and so that's part of it is uh carlos is going to say i have i've changed the system no one knows this is i have this but with so many holes still in the team when he gets those eventually filled with the type of league we are it will be a you know beggars can't be choosers kind of situation and mm-hmm. i think we're getting to that already uh, which is a little bit fearful to think of, a little bit fearful to say, but I think right now, based on players, too too early to tell, based on our coach, we're going to see a lot of long ball counterattack. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I, too, agree it's too early to tell. We've got, what, like, one forward signed at the moment? Who knows? <laughs> I am. I mean, it's... it's we should we should also not rule out the idea that they do know how that they how they want to play and he's being very particular about what players he wants to bring in. That's why it's taken so damn long. I mean, maybe we're gonna be more uh, more organized and uh, identifiable as a style than we think. Maybe we need to just keep trusting in cargo. Is what I'm getting. I think I think that's probably the best thing we can do at this point. <laughs> If there's anything we learned from last season, it's just hold on, yeah. just let him cook, you know. Let him. <laughs> exactly. That's right. I'm young and hip. Yeah, <laughs> I know the memes. Let him cook. Oh yeah, I like this one. Based on what we know of the roster, if you could clone one of our players, which would it be? Diego Espeo. <laughs> Easy. Easy. <laughs> Did you imagine? A full backline of Diego Espeo. <laughs> and I don't mean, like, players who... I mean, like, there there's just four Diego Espeos mm. all just cluelessly walking around, just, like, <laughs> totally fixated. Like, their minds are elsewhere. They're mm. thinking about what their social media pitches are going to look like <laughs> afterwards. Doesn't even realize he's just made the best air, airborne clearance the league has ever seen. He just gets up and is like, whoa! Whoa! But, like, four of them doing that. That, yeah. that, that to me, would be perfect. <laughs> Could you, I mean, could you imagine a, a, a back three of Diego Espeo, Carl Wumeth, and Diego Espeo? <laughs> as long as no one tried to roll the ball very gently on the ground, I think it'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, who are you? Who would you clone? 
I was gonna say Nathan Ingham so we could have two goalies, but that's a dumb jokey answer. We need to realize. <laughs> I actually, I'm not. This one's kind of difficult for me. I there's there's a lot of cliche answers. I I think I'm gonna have to go with Ollie Bassett just because yeah. he is a one of a kind midfielder, especially mm-hmm. at his particular level of footballing. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be really really interesting to see what two players of that level of of energy, play reading, and short passing style would do mm. with each other. Yeah. Aside from just, you know, sit at the midline and pass back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until they got around 80% so that way they get the extra coach's points yeah. and then go and score. <laughs> but, I mean, you're right. He, he's also a very versatile midfielder, is he not? I mean, you know, he can basically play along every position in the middle there. You know, his his recovery and his tackles are incredible. His, his uh, forward passing stats are incredible. He could probably play as a 6 and a double pivot. He could play as a 10. I mean, imagine just having two or three of them out there. Imagine having three engines. I mean, worst case scenario, if we had Ridiculous. two, if we had cloned Ollie Bassett, we could mm-hmm. sell one and keep one. <laughs> and then I think everyone would be happy. That's the real answer to this question. You know, if we could have cloned Baloo Tabla, we could have sold one of them to Turkey and yeah, just kept the, the other the, one. <laughs> yeah, we, we keep we keep Baloo and we sell Batu to <laughs> to Turkey. Batu, stop. <laughs> stop. <laughs> Keep, that in. Keep that in. There we go. Good question. <laughs> Speaking of, I got one for you right now. This one's a funny one too. Ask ask Joey about how much money he offered the father of the two boys who dominated everyone at the DeSalvo kickabout. <laughs> I know a lot of you listening were probably at this kickabout as well, and you saw these kids. Uh, legally, I didn't offer them anything, and they will continue to play at the club that they are currently registered with. <laughs> I I want to say while we're we're talking about the kickabout, I yeah. do want to take a moment to to say that Thomas and Kane, who is the other uh, the other employee from Atletico Auto, who were there, yeah. they did a fantastic job uh, with the organization of everything and getting everything out there. The turnout was incredible. The, the amount of youth players that were there, the amount of mm. under 13 players, under 9 players that were there. And yeah, these two kids were absolutely phenomenal. They they were kicking ass all the way up and down the field. And there was <laughs> genuinely a point where we were playing, and I, 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 I can speak for myself for sure, but a bunch of other people, I have to imagine, there was a point where you're like, yeah, I'm not faking anymore. These kids are genuinely <laughs> like beating me, like, really badly. I'm actually like trying had, now. <laughs> like, they had... Oh man, to, like Bryce was like full on tackling these kids towards the end of it, and they were still winning. They still were keeping the ball. Like Amazing. we we had adults going at them, and they were yeah. just like, "Nah, we're good." It was it was incredible. Everyone, every kid who went out there, everyone yeah. who went out there, and mm-hmm. just to kick the ball around for a couple of minutes and to see just everything. The future of Ottawa's footballing is safe, man. It, and that was the best part of it. It was just a great event to to meet the community and meet everybody who, yeah. you know, there were so many people there. I didn't realize how many people truly were invested in the club till you get there. And there, everyone knows the chance. Everybody's doing all this. It's not just CCSG. And that that was the moment that hit me. And my God, Johnny, this is a football club. This is an honest to God football club with. A, with everything around it, that kick about probably the best day of my life, man. That, that was incredible. just an incredible day. I can't, I can't wait for the next one, Tom. If you, I know you're listening. Uh, if there is not one by the end of February, we're having one at your house.
house. Let's <laughs> have one at your house. <laughs> oh, I love to hear that, man. It's so nice to, and I mean, it, the fact that the club also does so much um, outreach to these youth clubs as well, it just bodes so well for the future of the game in this city at a time when we really, really need to be growing at grass, grassroots like that. You know, it's, 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 it, it, we're really at a, it's about to hit a fever pitch, man. Like this is, this is an, an important moment in the history of this game in the city, in this country as well. I um, mean, you know, we're about to get a world cup in three years and just to see the, the talent on these kids that are, you know, kicking our asses. I mean, they weren't kicking my ass. I wasn't there, but they definitely would have. I definitely would have gotten too tired to run around after about 10 minutes. Probably. It sounds like <laughs> it was a day. It was a lot of fun. It was no regrets on anything. Um, my knees still have just, are just still cut to hell because yeah. it's astroturf on cement on the second floor of a building <laughs> but it oh my god absolutely incredible it was an amazing event uh and again the youth that were out there that was the best part they were all so good so passionate so much love for the sport and it really makes you feel confident that the cpl will be around because these kids are watching it and they want yeah. to be in it they want to be in our league mm -hmm. our league yeah. and that's what matters there you go ate some timbits and then got your ass kicked by some timbits <laughs> speaking of the youth here's here's a funny one uh will we be talking about under 20 minutes under 21 minutes again a lot this season <laughs> anyone who listened no i wouldn't I, I hated talking about it but we had to do it every week will we be doing that again this season i don't think we, we i think zach Waugh is the only one we have signed at the moment yeah, because Bahu's aged out. So yeah. I think yes, and I think as long as the rule remains as it remains, we're going to talk about it. Everybody should be talking about it because it goes back to what I said. If we're not talking about it, it's not going to change. Instead of talking about it as something we need to deal with, we need to talk about it as something we as a community need to together try to affect change on mm -hmm. because this rule is arbitrary for yeah. one and and i'm huge on advocating for youth football yeah. it's something that is we just talked about it for 20 minutes yeah. how important youth football is right yeah. and to have a rule at u21 even though in canada our youth setups in on the international scale are u20 and u23 <laughs> is obnoxious <laughs> We need to change it to U23. There's a, a lot of leagues out there that use 21 as the, the cutoff. Okay. But there are better leagues that use U23 as the cutoff yeah. or don't use a cutoff and, and, and require you have a youth setup. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We are not allowed youth setups in our league. We're not allowed mm -hmm. academies, which is a whole other issue we'll talk about some other time. Yeah. Um, because we can't have academies, we have a U21 rule. But we have a U21 rule that is so impeding to a coach's ability to do anything mm -hmm. and that had additional clauses tacked onto it during the season. Mm -hmm. There were so many issues with this rule as it stands. I'm not opposed to a, a U-whatever rule with yeah. minutes attached because we are, as we've talked about before, a development Premier League. And a development top flight league. So part of our mandate will always be developing, which means there should be a youth minute requirement. 
if it's going to be as many minutes as it is now compared to as many games as there are, mm-hmm. the age limit needs to be up to 23. Yeah. Because you don't <laughs> stop developing the day you turn 21. Mm-hmm. You don't stop developing the day you turn 23 either, but some yeah. of the most important development in your career happens at 21 and 23. And if you have to sacrifice, you know, 1,500 minutes of potential development time for a player in the 21 to 23 output who will genuinely become a five-star amazing player, Mm -hmm. but now because of some rule written by someone who has only ever watched one soccer game in their entire life, you now have to dedicate that 1,500 minutes to other players who will never become anything more than a two-star player. And now your five-star is stuck as a three forever. Well, I talked about this during the season as well. I mean, it it actually does such a disservice to like a lot of the 21 to 23, 24-year-old players that are now getting passed over because they don't fill the under 21 minute uh, 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 rule. And, and, you know, we just talked about how Bahus aged out. You know, a lot of clubs might be like, all right, well, like if his contract was up with us, how many clubs maybe wouldn't pick him up because he he's not world class and he doesn't fulfill an under 21 minute need. I mean, really, I was worried about Gabby Batar. Thankfully, he got picked up again by someone. But a player like him that doesn't peak until 23, 24, 25 years old, I was worried someone like him wasn't going to get a chance in the CPL. Because someone that doesn't have a large pedigree outside of school or outside of semi-pro who doesn't also fulfill the under-21 rule, I mean, a lot of clubs might pass that over. I think the other thing that doesn't get talked about enough with this rule is, yes, it forces players off the field, it forces players onto the field. Mm-hmm. Zach Bahus was not ready to be a starter. No. And I'm not, not saying he was a he was a poor player because he wasn't. Zach did amazing. He did a lot better, I think, than anyone, including himself, expected him to do in mm-hmm. his first professional season. But to be forced to be a main starter in a top flight league in your first professional season, not because your skill determined that but because some written rule somewhere determined it. Yeah. Zach's career is never going to be what it should be and what it could be because of this first season that was forced on him. I think Zach's development has been affected by this, and you could see that towards the end of last season. Zach's quality declined over the season, mm-hmm. and that is the opposite of what you should see in a youth player, especially a youth player as promising as Zach. And it yeah. was completely because of the amount of time and expectation forced on him yeah. by outside-of-the-club forces and outside-of-the-club decisions. Zach could still be a very important player in the Canadian setup in the future, and I wholeheartedly hope that for him because mm-hmm. he is a good player and he will become a better player over time. I'm worried that he could have been an even better player if he didn't have to play 2,000 minutes in his first year, not out of earned, but out of requirement. Yeah, hopefully hopefully the development curve is a little bit more curated this season than last season, and uh, the amount of minutes he gets uh, makes more sense. Um, we've got one more question here in the mailbag. Uh, do you think that the trade, quote-unquote, with York of Verhoeven for Wright was better for us or for them? And also, is shitting on Brian Wright okay now since he plays for our mortal enemies? <laughs> <laughs> I'll answer the second one first. Yeah. No, I don't think it's fair to be shitting on, on anybody mm. For, for any real reason, whether it's because they've left our club for our for our rival club or not. Did Brian fit in here overall? No. And I think because of that, 
he got a little anguish from from us as fans, and mm. that's just part of the sport. Yeah, and I I sincerely think that he's going to move on to to York and do a little bit better there and have a little bit better reception there than he did here, and I think that that's okay. Between the trade with with York between Verhoeven and Wright, I think we won that. Yeah. I think we're going to get the better player overall. Um, I think both of them are going to have about the same amount of contribution to their team in the next season. Yeah, where they're going to, they're really going to give their best because I think they need to give their best with this season, especially mm. yeah. seeing as it was a team to team trade <clears throat> in sorts. Yeah, but I think Noah. By anything just because of his position, age, and how his position was played last season in our mm-hmm. setup, I think he just has more to contribute. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like we said, Wright's gonna be Wright is gonna be depth there. He's already at a ceiling. He's gonna be an older depth presence there. Um, whereas Verhoeven is what twenty three years old. Um, he's obviously you know on, still on the way up and um, coming into what we're hoping is you know will be a, a contributor into a new style of play who has been picked up for a certain reason, not just as depth. Um, as far as shitting on Brian because he plays for York, I mean, yes, because that's what we do with all of the York players. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's yes. Nothing, there's it's the, nothing there's personal. That. It's nothing no, it's personal. No, never, it's never personal. But it's I will be doing personal. it every single week. <laughs> I'm going to change the chant into something nasty because it was a banger of a chant. Now it's going to be a banger of a chant for a different reason. I will miss the chant. I think that's going to be the biggest thing. <laughs> it, sucks. Just, it's, it sucks when you give a... It's a damn good chant. It, well, it's a damn good chant, and it sucks when the players leave, because then you're like, do I redo the chant with a different name? It feels wrong. You can redo it with another another name, because, I, I mean, that's the virtue of the sport. True. It's just that in the rhythm of the chant, Brian Wright, just phonetically was yeah. so pleasing with it and was so like all oh, the syllables lined up like everything was great with yeah. Brian Wright's on fire. Yeah. It's not it's not often that you get a striker whose name fits phonetically so well into it. It's a true. Chant. It's true. And it's it's I don't know. It's unfortunate that that's what we're t- discussing his departure is how we need to find someone whose name phonetically fits his chant. Not we need to find someone to replace his skill level. He hated York, man. He scored against them. It felt like every other game. So I wonder, I wonder what this dynamic is going to be like with him there now. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I, I really do hope him the best. And I, I think, I think he just struggled to fit into the, the play style that we fit here. He's, yeah. It's something that we had discussed before. He's a poacher. Yeah. He's a textbook poacher. Yeah. And we just didn't need a poacher. We needed a, a, a dynamic, complete forward yeah. up top and that's something that we're, we're lacking still now it's something we lacked the entirety of last season it was just of all of our strikers brian was the most fit and yeah. the most consistent yeah so i mean now we have the added advantage that when we play against york united we know exactly how to neutralize his strengths and keep him quiet when he's playing against us Thank you, everyone, for the mailbag. Uh, we got a lot out of that one. I think it was only about six questions, but there's not that much going on this offseason, so it's understandable. <laughs> we'll do it again uh, uh, for the next episode for sure. Uh, we're going to go to our other fun news segment now. It is the rumor section. <laughs> like the horns I put over the last one? I'm going to do that again. No, it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> we got two more rumors again this time. Neither of them are cold. We've got a hot one and we've got a medium one. So, uh, which one do you want to start with here, Joe? Uh, just because it happened to be the first one that I had pulled up. Uh, let's start with somebody from uh, a little bit 
interesting of a nation, I think. Uh, let's go with Roller Ferrino. Roller Ferrino from Bolivia. Thank you. <laughs> this is our medium rumor of, of this episode. Tell us about this yeah. kid. He is, uh, to put it bluntly, he's a bit of a ghost. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to find solid statistics on him, mm-hmm. but the statistics I do find, I like. Mm-hmm. He's a solid passer, which is excellent to see from someone you can play as a left, right, or center forward. All across the front three. Which is fantastic, and he's also been able to play in the midfield uh, when required. Mm-hmm. He's spent his entire career in Bolivia, yep. uh, which is interesting to see that and, and I think the reason that he does fit in here on the rumor board is, to me, it'd be slightly strange to see someone who spent their entire career and life in Bolivia suddenly follow, you know, Atletico Ottawa. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But he's a 22-year-old uh, forward who, while primarily a right winger, can play anywhere up front. He has international experience with Bolivia's U-20 team. And his last couple of games have been have been pretty good. He hasn't played a lot, but what he has played, he's played well. Mm-hmm. There is a decent amount of passer. there's a decent amount of friendly game tape of him playing for um, Bolivia under twenties, and he looks very good for an under twenty player. Um, being left footed and also primarily a right winger is very very interesting because we've never had a player like that. No, and I think I think it's going to fit in well, especially if we are going to be looking at these these long ball counterattacks mm-hmm. where if you can have someone who can you know pivot on the opposite foot on the opposite end and yep. bring in these crosses to opposite sides but also put themselves out a little bit more cut inside mm-hmm. and really take advantage of a, a, a lofted long ball that you know maybe didn't go exactly where you wanted it but to have a player who is on the right side but left footed yeah and on top of that that's just hard to predict where where, where the ball is going to go when it's shot and as a keeper, that's hard to that's hard to look at. That's hard to predict. Since we lost Blue Tablet, that position is going to need to be filled. And I think this young lad, he's not going to be our starter. But if we're bringing him on, I think he's going to do absolutely well to be someone who comes in for 40, 50 minutes at a time and just puts one away just when you need him to. I think he's going to be a great depth forward, especially for a team that needs depth up front. Yeah, no, the, I, I agree with all those points, um, especially with Tablo leaving. He's not a replacement for Tablo. Nobody is. But um, having more depth up front is, a repla- is, a, is you know, a, a approaching a solution to that problem. Um, and like I said, you know, uh, being a left footer that primar- primarily plays on the right wing, you know, there's a reason why inverted wingers are so hot right now, especially if you have uh, wingbacks that push up so high. You know, you can really do the, the cute little overlap thing, the little cutting in thing, and it's sort of a part of our game that we never really exploited too much. Not on both sides, anyways. When we had Baloo playing on the left, sometimes we would do it, but <clears throat> I think it's something that we can exploit even more. And also... I love the name of the clubs in Bolivia. I've always thought that the <laughs> I clubs was are incredible. We were gonna talk about that. So he's currently he played the last season with a club called Always Ready. <laughs> I love it. Always Ready, and he came up playing at a club called the Strongest. <laughs> this incredible, incredible team names. I could talk about like Caribbean. And Central American, <laughs> South American club names yeah. for hours. Yeah. I love it. Uh, shout out to the Virgin Islands with Unique FC. Uh, and <laughs> Unique FC. FC. Amazing. Uh, Positive Vibes FC is another one from 
U.S. Virgin <laughs> Islands. I love it. Uh, really enjoying right now watching the Salsa Ballers and the Inguilin, uh Men's National League. That's great. Um, that's. I wish we had more creative yeah, names up here. For sure. Forge. Yeah. Oh, I was gonna say our uh, club names for the most part are awful, but uh, so I mean, it sucks about that. He joined. He joined Always Ready. There. Uh, uh, July 1st from their uh, second club. So he uh, had a bunch of appearances for their senior team uh, from July until, I believe, uh, October or November of this past uh, past year. And I think I saw he had some Instagram post that was talking about a new adventure or something like that. Whenever I see something like that, that's someone that's already rumored. I'm like, ooh, bells are going off here. I know back in the day, Rafa Nunez was like that. I, I definitely picked up on that. So, you know, there's, there's a, a, a couple little... Uh, little perfect storms are coming together here that uh, we might see Roller Ferfino wearing the red and white stripes next season. <laughs> oh, man. If, it, if for no other reason, then uh, it's just going to be fun to say that name. Yeah, I'm just going to do that every week. Yeah. <laughs> so that is our medium rumor. We have a hot rumor this episode, though. Joe, tell us about this guy. I, I This one I'm, I'm really excited about. Mm-hmm. Uh just because there's, there's just a lot of things about him to be excited about, mm-hmm. to me at least. Josh DeBio. Josh uh, DeBio. He is uh, he's a Nigerian uh, defender. Most commonly plays as a left back, which to me is the position that needs a, uh, some immediate you know, reinforcement at and some immediate redo at. And so I think having a strong left back come in is what we need right now. He's Nigerian by citizenship, but I believe he spent his whole life and career in, in England and Scotland, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Yeah, yeah. he's a combination of England and Scotland yeah. uh, for playing career. He's He spent time in his youth at Fulham and Chelsea before uh, he finally finished his, his youth career with uh, Leicester City. Mm-hmm. Before... Uh, he had a couple attempts uh, at, at clubs in the lower ends, uh, Chetlin Town and Dover Athletic. He He's played, he just finished a year at Queen of the South in Scotland. Yep. And while he was there, he, he did do some pretty solid defending, some fairly strong defending. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, though, it wasn't enough to, to keep Queen of the South in the top flight. And when they, they got relegated down to League One, uh, he was released from the club, mm-hmm. which to to me signifies that while the club is going down a level, he was released. He was still good enough to remain up. Mm-hmm. So while the team was leaving him behind, they left him behind, hopefully with the intentions of staying up at that level. Mm-hmm. And to know that we're on par with the Scottish Championship, if he is indeed coming here and they, they, they left him behind as to not bring him down a level... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think to me that that feels great. I know that there are quite a few fans of Atletico Ottawa out there who are also diehard fans of the Scottish Premier League and Scottish mm-hmm. football. And so, yeah. to to see we're bringing over a Scottish player and or a player who just played in Scotland because the team felt he could play at the same level, and that means that Canada's at the same level. That's got to feel good. Uh, but for us, I think that bringing Josh in, bringing in a new left back, bringing in a left back with who was trained in England by some of the top clubs in England, I mm-hmm. think is going to be an experience that we're lacking. And he's going to bring in this this form of style, this type of style, this type of training that not a lot of our players, with the exception of, of Ollie maybe, would have seen. Yeah. 
it's it's weird there, there's there's a lot of positive and also a little bit of negative that i can see in this just because i like to look at both sides of this i mean you're right here's a guy that came up through fulham chelsea southampton leicester city um like some massive clubs coming up through their academies um and then you know had a lot of sort of a sean newville vibes as well i mean here's a guy who came from the west ham academy played spent some time in league two before playing with us uh dubio spent some time in league two with cheltenham spent some time in national league with dover uh, Welds and Weldstone, um, and then yeah, Queen of the South playing in the Scottish Championship, and and I mean, it's tough to know with Scottish football where you really stand because I mean, when you look at their top flight, like you know Rangers, Celtic, they probably yo-yo between English, England, top first and second divisions. Everyone else, who knows, right? So I mean, like some of our best players that come out of Canada, you know, have went over to Ross County, um, who is in uh, uh, Scotland's top flight, but they also yo-yo around. So really, where everyone else stands, unless you're in the old firm or if you're like Hearts or like Hibs or something, uh, it's almost a crapshoot. So it's really tough to sort of know the level that he would be at in a club that was relegated from the Scottish Second Division. And the only thing that also worries me about this is that when Vashon came here, he was 21 years old. Josh Abaya was 26. So, I mean, I think it's a good gamble if they see something in him. Obviously, he has a pedigree of like some of these Premier League club academies that he's been in. Um, I do love just seeing us linked with another left back. <laughs> I mean, that's also another part of this, isn't it? I mean, we're back to only having the one. Yeah, and especially considering what we talked about last month, and I used to be a right back. I understand the 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 un the untalked about unglamorous importance of having a strong left and right back if you're yeah. using them and if you're using them correctly. And I think you're 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 right. You're right to bring up that you know Scotland is a league that has a variety of quality. Let's say, yeah. and their players are have a variety of quality. Mm-hmm. And he is a, a player who has kind of journeymaned around and has been at several clubs. Mm-hmm. I think Atletico Ottawa has good experience with journeyman players. I yeah. mean, we we had just finished. Uh, a very good acquaintanceship with uh, Kevin Alleman, mm. who is yeah. someone who will probably never stay at a club longer than a season or two. Yeah. And if that's that, if that's the direction of your career, and that's how you're playing, and that's how you're enjoying playing, then mm. let it fly. Yeah. I I think if you're coming into this league, if if our scouts, and especially from Ottawa, who has a scouting department that is essentially. Quasi Leone and some unknown guys from Madrid. If they've seen something, yeah, it means that they've seen something. Yeah, and I'm not experienced enough, as much as I like to to talk like I am and pretend like I am, to have seen exactly what they've seen. Yeah, but from what I've seen in him is a left back who ultimately does not give the ball away. Yeah. And that was the biggest thing that needed fixing in the left back. Every club and their grandmother knew to just beam the ball down the left if you're playing against Ottawa. Yeah. Because eventually you'll hit Tiso. Mm. And Tiso will eventually kick the ball right back at you. Mm. And again, that's not that's not to go against Tiso. He's a clearance guy. He just does short clearances and they caught on very quickly to the fact that he does short clearances. Mm-hmm low clearances and they would just block them out and go with the throw in and take the throw in. Yeah. And so I think to bring in a defender who, when he does block the ball, doesn't block it immediately back to the player 
or out of the touchline because he doesn't see any other options. Yeah. They're bringing in a player who knows how to look for options. And yeah. I think right now for a left back, that's what we need. Well, I mean, he's obviously coming from an academy background that does a whole lot better at, you know, developing fullbacks than we currently do. We talked about that in the last episode. You know, Canadian left backs, they do not grow on trees. They hardly grow out of the ground, for God's sakes. So, like we said, that's a position that, you know, would be nice to bring in from somewhere else. And um, the other thing that worries about me, though, is that he's he's been out of contract with Queen of the South since, like, the summer. So by the time, <laughs> you know, it, it's it, it's it's a bit of a time away from football, especially at 26. So I, I'd, lo- I'd love to be I'd be very interested to know what he's been up to this whole time. It's very possible, like you say, with their scouting network, they might know that maybe he's been training with a bunch of clubs. You know, maybe he's been at home just keeping fit training and they see something in him and they want to bring him in for that reason. Like I said, in cargo, we trust. I also trust our scouting department to uh to get this stuff right there's there's enough clips of this guy on youtube you can go check him out yourself as well well it's also it's it's totally not relevant to anything but when we're doing the research for these mm. it's just kind of nice when a player already has a wikipedia page yeah. that you can <laughs> go that through for sources <laughs> because sometimes it's real hard like oh, I, yeah. there's been times where i'm like oh i need to use a vpn for my vpn if i'm going on this website to look at this like obscure player stats because someone's <laughs> totally gonna steal my identity if yeah, i do exactly. this yeah but you know sometimes it's nice to just see they have a wikipedia page yeah. you know scroll down to that that good old references tab see there's 17 references on this yeah, player like, okay That's, yeah this is i legit. can look at these i can yeah. read these this is and a real player it's, <laughs> it's probably nice for patrick gibson to not have to, <laughs> to not have to write one exactly sign him. i mean the I amount of, especially in our earlier days the amount of times i'd be on these obscure roster websites and being like i don't even know what position this guy plays because i don't speak portuguese <laughs> That's not the case here. <laughs> yeah, I I will say thank, thank thank everybody. Just thank the world that Soccer Way exists. I love that website. They're not a sponsor. I wish they were. Uh, but man, what a, what a great website! And Soccer Way, if you could you. if you could leak our whole roster again this season, like you did two <laughs> years ago, that'd be great because make... we are just fucking itching for news over here. I'm just about to make the joke. <laughs> I'm on there every week, at least once a week. My brain's like, yo, check soccer. <laughs> it might have happened. Refresh, refresh, yeah, just refresh. Check it. It's like a daily routine now. Well, Joey, we got our rumors through. We got our mailbag through. We got our little bits of incomings we had through. It's been a pleasure. I sure hope we got a lot more incomings to talk about next month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I imagine we have to. Um, oh, yeah. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I think Atletico Ottawa uses signings as their big, like, come check out our social media, which mm-hmm. leads you to our tickets. I think their big, you know, beginning of the year drives once a week we're posting this player. And I think that's nice because it allows it allows us some time to uh, acclimate ourselves to each mm. player as they yeah. come in and they do these little social media blurbs where they do, like, hi, team, look who I am. Like, yeah. oh, can't wait to see everyone, meet everyone, this, that, and the other thing. I, I, that's an important part of the sport, especially in, in modern football. And so yeah. I think it's great. And I think starting now, we're probably going to see once a week, once every two weeks news, which is great because it means we'll be back again sooner. 
uh, which is always nice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I we should get we got to get going because if I'm not mistaken, I believe they leave for Madrid on the 28th of February. I think that's what uh, Fernando told uh, told Ledois. And that's 20 days away. By the time you hear this, it'll be it'll be 20 days away. So, you know, we've got like 13, 14 players left to announce. Uh, are we going to be a 2021 situation where we're, we're looking at uh, Instagram stories in people's closets and figuring out that Drew Becky has signed for us because he's got an ATO shirt in his closet because he's currently <laughs> at training camp? Who knows? I don't know. Maybe we're in for a, for a funny, silly season like that again. It's going to be an interesting next few months. That is, <laughs> that is for sure. <laughs> Well, Joey, it's been a pleasure. I will talk to you next month. By the next time we speak, we will be in the midst of the silly season because they will be in Madrid. So I'm sure we'll be, we might even be able to be t- to talk about some preseason friendly results. Who knows? Which will certainly be fun for me because I miss just looking at numbers for <laughs> Any sort of numbers. Well, just, CCSG just folks. give me numbers. <laughs> next month, we will be back in your ears again with a lot more numbers. Ciao for now.